Hello again. This is Series 13 of Satisfied. The Series 13 podcast enhanced the perspective Bible study covering the books of First and Second Thessalonians in the New Testament. I'm Melanie Newton, just an everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. In the last podcast, we gained the biblical perspective on God's justice and mercy. Today's podcast will cover Lesson 10 of the Perspective Bible Study. We will gain more perspective about the end times, especially the Great Tribulation. Several months ago, I watched a rocket owned by SpaceX deliver a payload of communication satellites into orbit around our planet. Over time, they will be delivering enough satellites so that the Earth will be completely connected through cyberspace. That excited me because I thought of how Jesus might use such capability as He reigns from Jerusalem after His second coming. He is our Creator and has given us the gift of creating. So all the technology advances of the past decades belong to Him, whether the designers recognize it or not. Is the time for Jesus' coming for believers getting closer? Yes, every day gets closer. But sitting around waiting for it to happen is not pleasing to God. Obsessing on end-time prophecies is also a waste of time. Trying to understand all the prophecies about the end times is like having a bunch of puzzle pieces that look similar, but without the picture on the box top to tell you how to arrange them. All we know for sure are the border pieces. We can put the four sides of the puzzle together. Those are events we know will definitely happen, but we don't know when or how the rest of the pieces fit inside the border. We covered the first event in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. One day Jesus Christ will appear as Savior to gather His own together in the clouds. A second event is the Great Tribulation during which God's wrath against sin is directed toward earth that is introduced in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 as the Day of the Lord. Another event is Christ coming to exact justice against unbelievers and set up His kingdom on earth. We covered part of that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. The last event we'll cover is the revealing of the man of lawlessness, or the Antichrist. That's in this lesson. Those are the four sides to our puzzle. It is pointless to try to figure out who the Antichrist is. As 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 clearly states, the Antichrist will not be revealed until after the restrainer is removed. The restrainer is the Holy Spirit, and the rapture of living believers will remove His presence in their lives throughout the earth. You can't figure it out. Yet, it helps to have a biblical perspective of the end times as we read and study the New Testament. Then we can more readily understand their expectations and the terminology used. That teaches us what the writers meant by their word choices and what the readers understood. From there, we can find ways to apply the scriptures to our lives today as we have been doing throughout our study of First and Second Thessalonians. First, we'll look at the expectations. The Jews of Jesus' day had certain expectations about the Messiah and the resurrection. Their thinking was this. When the Messiah comes, God would begin a new age, His kingdom, first by resurrecting and judging all the dead, then giving the Holy Spirit to the righteous, and finally righting all the wrongs on planet Earth. 
the Messiah would reign as king over the whole earth from Jerusalem. All those things were true expectations. They just didn't know that God's plan would be a two-stage process. First, a dead Messiah would be resurrected, then later everyone else when the Messiah comes back. When the early Christians spoke of Jesus being raised from the dead, they were claiming that something happened to Jesus which had never happened to anyone else yet. The resurrection declared that what Jesus did in his life and in his death was the work of God's Son, the Messiah. Because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, God could give his spirit to faithful believers. If you want to understand that better, I suggest you listen to the Series 12 podcasts about the gospel as God's cure for our fatal sin disease. Prophecy is not only like puzzle pieces that all look alike. I heard it also described as being like a mountain range. From a distance, the peaks look so close together, but when you get up close, you realize that one peak may be 20 miles away from the other. Often in the Old Testament, references to the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ are found in the same paragraph, sometimes in the same verse. What the Jews expected was their best guess. Jesus fulfilled the first part and promised to come back to finish the job. Jesus was taken up to heaven before witnesses in a cloud of glory. Two angels declared to his followers that he would return in the same way, bodily and visibly. Until then, he is in heaven as the God-man, instantly recognizable to us as a man. There he waits as king in his glorified human body until the Father says it's time to return in the same way to set up his earthly kingdom. We are living in this until time. This is what Peter said in Acts chapter 3 about God's timing. That he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. To restore means to go back again and set in order. It's used of restoring estates to their rightful owners or restoring someone to good health. The Bible says that creation is groaning in pain because of sin and God's curse on it. God will restore his creation to its initial glory. The resurrection began the process. Until the time comes for God to restore everything, there's waiting involved. We are waiting until God acts. This until time is also called the time of the Gentiles in scripture. God's church began as mostly Jews. Because of Israel's rejection of their Messiah, the gospel of God has primarily gone out to the Gentile nations. God has been adding Gentile believers to his church for 2,000 years. According to the New Testament, this until time will last until the fullness of the Gentiles is reached. Whatever that means in the mind of God, it's futile to speculate on what that means. On earth, the rapture of the believers is the signal that the time of God's grace to the Gentiles ends. Judgment of all the nations happens during a period of seven years called the Great Tribulation. Most of the book of Revelation covers this time period, but we also see references to it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It sounds awful. But Paul had words for them and for us beginning in verse 1. 
Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Don't be unsettled or alarmed by any teaching concerning the day of the Lord. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ now, you won't be here then, okay? Remember from the last podcast, that's your security blanket. Paul wrote so confidently in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that the three signs declaring the day of the Lord was here had not happened yet. The restrainer of evil had not been removed. The man of lawlessness had not been revealed. And the religious rebellion had not occurred. That is still true today. The day of the Lord hasn't happened yet. It may seem like wickedness is having an unrestrained play date in our world, but it has not gotten as bad as it will be when all Christians are removed from the picture. God will take his hands off and let those who reject him enjoy the fruit of their decision. God does that now to individuals who so totally reject his goodness. Romans chapter 1 says that he gives them over to the wickedness that they want to do. He allows sinful people to experience the sinful behaviors that they want to enjoy. As one writer put it, God withdraws from the wicked the restraints of his providence and grace and gives them over to the dominion of sin. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote this warning. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. The picture is of someone whose conscience or convictions have been desensitized. Through repeated exposure to evil, their sense of right and wrong becomes numb to the point that they can no longer easily distinguish between good and evil. That has been going on since sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3. It got so bad within less than 2,000 years that God decided to start over with just eight humans in a ship. But this will get much worse during the tribulation enhanced by the revealing of the man of lawlessness. He will be a counterfeit Christ who serves the lies that humans want to believe about not needing God. Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, They refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Humans make the choice against God. They choose to not believe the truth. They choose to delight in wickedness. God doesn't make that choice for them. But for everyone who digs in their heels and refuses God, He declares them guilty of punishment. He lets them have what they want, life apart from Him and every bit of love and goodness and grace and mercy and joy and hope that He is. Yet, He continues to offer eternal life to anyone who repents of their sin and trusts in Him, even during the Great Tribulation with the Antichrist doing His thing. 
The book of Revelation describes how people will believe and be saved. Many Jews will believe during that time as well as some Gentiles. That's God's grace and mercy. The fact that He has limited the worst aspects of His wrath directed towards sin on earth to just 42 months, three and a half years, that's also God's mercy. We will not know the complete prophetic picture, but we can know some things for sure that will help us now. These give us biblical perspective for the time in which we live. We get this information from the Gospels, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 2nd Peter, and the book of Revelation. Here are some things we can know for sure. We can know for sure that Jesus is coming back to gather his own and not one believer is going to miss it. Whether you are dead, sleeping in your bed, or taking a shower, you won't miss his coming. Isn't that good news? We just don't know when he's returning. We can also know for sure this. Jesus said conditions on this planet are not going to get better, but worse. We can forget the whole idea of world peace until he comes back. Although believers are encouraged to individually live in peace with each other and with unbelievers, we humans can never bring about world peace. Only Jesus can. Here's something else we can know for sure. Jesus described a great time of worldwide massive tribulation. This great tribulation hasn't happened yet. The destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD was not the worst that had happened before that time or even since that time. It is still to come, dear listener. And we can know for sure that Jesus is returning to planet Earth with his angels to defeat the evil forces against him and set up his kingdom in Jerusalem. We live in a world of people who are at war with God. The war will continue in this direction until the king ends it, which he will do. For now, watch out that no one deceives you. Jesus gave all of his followers certain responsibilities. To them and to all of us, he says, stay alert. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus warned his disciples eight times, eight times to watch out, be on guard, and stay alert. We saw the same words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, stay alert. Stay alert to what? I looked at all his teaching as well as what we've learned in 1 and 2 Thessalonians. My conclusion is this, a Christ follower's greatest danger is not war, not calamity, not suffering, not persecution, and not even betrayal. It is deception. That's Jesus' warning to them and to us, as he says in Mark chapter 13, verse 5, watch out that no one deceives you. Deception feeds apostasy. In your lesson, you learned that apostasy is an aggressive and positive revolt against God by so-called religious people. It is falling away from truth that you once believed. Apostasy has been with us since the first century, and the apostles wrote about apostasy growing worse and worse through the years before the Lord comes. Apostasy is driven by people who may even call themselves Christian, but who have not personally put their faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation. 
They are imposters, influential fakers who draw people away from Christ, especially when they claim to no longer believe in Him. Remember that all genuine Christians who have trusted Christ and are indwelt by the Holy Spirit will go to be with the Lord in the rapture. So you won't be affected by this rebellion. The unbelievers who are left behind will be enticed to join this universal rebellion against God. Perhaps the rapture will draw some to finally put their faith in Jesus Christ and be saved, though they must still live through the tribulation. As I said before, deception feeds apostasy. At least 33 New Testament verses warn believers about being deceived or led astray from our sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, these words, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. This verse has nothing to do with gender. It has everything to do with being deceived. Both men and women are equally vulnerable to deception. Notice what deception does. It takes you away from sincere and pure devotion to Jesus Christ. We have a spiritual enemy and deceiving us is one of his best means for making us ineffective at pursuing Christ completely. Deception affects the direction our minds are going and our bodies follow. We put all our energy going in the wrong directions. The further we get into the last days and the more complex society gets, the easier it is to be deceived today. You can get instant information from social media, websites, and digital streaming. How do you know when your mind is being manipulated to believe a deception? You know it when you're drawn away from confidence in and focus on Christ alone for your motivation and power to live. As 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 ends, So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you. The bottom line is this. Don't let other people's thoughts be a replacement for the Bible or your dependence on Christ. Compare what you're being told with what God's Word says. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with his perspective on life in the present and in the future. Then live securely in him during this time of waiting. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is Series 13 of Satisfied.